0: welcome to deus books join us on a journey into the heart of catholicism through the most interesting reading stories and doctrines that the church has to offer
1: all right so a little bit different here this is a little disclaimer warning when we before you get into this book Uh, we did a a a sort of like a fiction fantasy that is like on heaven and hell yes um by c.s lewis and, uh, it's called
0: the Great Divorce. The
1: Great Divorce, and uh, there it's a great it's a great book, and there's so much good stuff in it. But but it took us a little while to get there because because yeah. we had to set the scene. <laughs> yes, and setting the scene took took probably about thirty minutes. Thirty minutes, <laughs> and and so we're reading passages from the book for in those thirty minutes, and we're progressing the story, but you're like there's not a whole lot of theology to digest in that. correct. So but it all it's all worth it at the end. Yeah. So if you want, you could just bypass the first 20-ish minutes. Nah, probably but I recommend <laughs> more I, re- I recommend you listen yeah. and if you're like, what the this is kind of boring or I'm not sure what's going on, yeah. don't worry. Don't worry. Which actually
0: makes sense because that's how the book plays out. Yeah,
1: it, it, it's part. <laughs> it's by design, yeah. not by our design, but by the author's design. Right. And And um, we just, you know, we had to tell the story. So, so stick with it. It it all. It's a book that comes full circle. So, yeah, the beginning is important. It's just not how we typically do the podcast.
0: Correct. Yeah. Thanks for your patience, and uh, we hope you enjoy.
1: Everyone who wishes to make the journey does never fear. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. And that is a nice little passage from C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce, which is what we are reading today a nice little opening isn't it yeah that little quote <laughs> about I mean that's kind of like a classic understanding like like you you really choose to be in hell but I like at the end you know that the way he puts it that God will say to you your will be done if that's what you want go go do it
0: it's uh, that's the the essence of free will yeah uh, I like I like how I'm excited to get into this book yeah I'll you l- were really giddy about it uh when we, as we were preparing just now.
1: Yeah. I, this is going to be a good one. CS Lewis is one of the few writers who uh physically excites me when I read his stuff. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> This is a family This is a great
1: channel. This is a great book. Oh yeah, it is. Um and this is a short book, The Great Divorce. Yeah. And it's a theology book, but it's really awesome what he does. It's a fantasy interpretation of a guy's journey from hell to heaven. That's what The Great Divorce is. Mm. Um, And there's loads to unpack in all the conversations and in the title and all, all that stuff that we'll do, uh, I'm sure, later. But we will start the book. Let's do it. Ready? I'm ready. Okay, so at the beginning, basically what happens is this guy just wakes up in a town, a strange town. Ready? I'm ready. He says, and just as evening never advanced to night so this guy's been in this town and he's saying that the it looks like it's sunset and he's been here a while i kind of skipped the beginning but he's been walking around for hours in this town and it looks like sunset the whole time it's not getting any darker it's not getting any lighter um and he says uh so my walking had never brought me to any better part of the town however far i went i found only dingy lodging houses small tobacconists hoardings from which posters hung in rags, windowless warehouses, goods stations without trains, bookshops of all the sort that sell the works of Aristotle. I never met anyone, but for the little crowd at the bus stop, the whole town seemed to be empty. I think that's why I attached myself and got in line. Mm. So there there you have it. Like uh, He just throws you right into this, by the way. Wakes up, he's basically in a huge abandoned ghost town that you can tell there's shops there, but they're not very good looking, you know? Yeah. And he's walking around, and he can't find anyone, and then he sees this line, and he just sort of mindlessly gets in line. And that's where we are. It's
0: like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm just going to hop right in here.
1: Yeah. And, by the way, a little warning. When... It's gonna take a second to kind of set the scene and figure out where he's going with this, and then he kind of, we kind of start to unpack the more theological concepts and stuff. So it's not like that at first. It gets there, but we got to set the scene first. Mm. So all right, okay, and setting s- the scene. So basically, uh, he's waiting in line, and he's he's in line for hours, and people start fighting with each other. And uh, he describes a scene where basically a guy gets uh, pushed out of the line. And then the the guy set, shows no disposition to rejoin the queue as soon, and he began limping away. I closed up the gap rather cautiously behind a big man and congratulated myself on having gained yet another step. So picture like the worst worst waiting room line like the line at the dmv times 100 (laughs) that's what he's experiencing right now and so this guy gets shoved out of line and everybody just sort of mindlessly closes the gap to gain another inch
0: so now he's out of the line
1: yeah and he's been moving for hours he's been in this line for hours he's barely moved a few steps so that's kind of where we're at right now so this
0: is very painful this is very painful This this is torturous actually
1: yeah and so another a woman a basically accuses someone of cutting her and she leaps out of her place to fly at the guy who cut her but the others immediately closed up and flung her out so what with one thing and another the queue had reduced itself finally to a manageable proportions long before the bus appeared so he's describing these scenes of like people just like stepping out of line and then it just closes up and they just get they're so Annoyed with the line that they don't want to get back in the line, so they just walk off. So, they're, yeah, they're just like, I'm done. Yeah, exactly. And this goes on for who knows how long. It's hard to understand time in this book. Right. It could be hours. It could be days that he's in this line. Sounds like hell. Yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> ah. Good insight. And um, eventually... This process of people fighting and getting kicked out of line, it works itself down to, like, a normal, like, bus stop line. That's basically what's going on. Um, Make sense so far? Yes. All right. If you get lost, you need to let me know. I will. Because I'm doing my best to set the scene.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So, line that's eternally long, it seems. People just getting out. He got out because people pushed him. And then the line closes. Okay.
1: Yeah, and so now we're going to, as they're waiting in line, they're going to start, he's going to start chatting up with the, some of the other people there. Mm. And he says, uh, this one guy says, he was bloody pleased with himself, I bet. My dear, why can't he just behave naturally? He thinks himself too good to look at us. Who does he imagine he is? All that gilding and purple, I call it a waste. Why don't why don't they spend some of the money on their housing property down here? God, I'd like to give him one in the ear hole. <laughs> so he's just listening to people gossip and talk crap, basically, yeah. so far. But here's where it kind of starts to get interesting. He, he's taught, he sort of chimes in the conversation. And he, and he goes, do they like this place, I asked. And he says, as much as they like anything, I suppose, they've got cinemas, fish and chip shops, advertisements, and all the sorts of things that they want. The appalling lack of intellectual life doesn't worry them. I realized as soon as I got here that there there'd been some mistake. I ought to have taken the first bus, but I fooled about trying to wake people up here. I found a few fellas I'd known before and tried to form a little circle, but they all seem to have sunk to the level of their surroundings. So he's kind of like describing the atmosphere in this town is like has like a decaying effect on people's personality, their emotions, like all that stuff.
0: Right. So they're in this like this weird decrepit town and everyone's like almost like just super not good yeah like this is just like a very toxic environment and yeah. it's like contagious almost. and it's boring and okay. that that's like probably some of the Lethargic. detail i'm going
1: over yeah it's very like this just, place is eh, boring <laughs>
0: it's, it's mid
1: Yeah. <laughs> so they get on or the bus worse. yeah they get on the bus They get on the bus, and they're riding, and they can't really see anything because it's real foggy. And then the guy on the bus comes over the radio, and he says, Hello, we've left the ground. It was true. Several hundred feet below us, already half hidden in the rain and mist, the wet roofs of the town appeared, spreading without a break as far as the eye could reach. So he gets on this bus. It takes off like a plane. And he looks at the town... And realizes it's massive, like more massive than he can see, because he yeah. can see the gray of the roof and it's way bigger than he imagined. And it stretches basically the horizon in every direction. Makes sense. So far. Yes. Okay. Okay.
0: Boring town, massive town.
1: All right. So there's this, uh, they're on the bus. People are just like talking about their nonsense, and then uh, a fight breaks out. It was just then we were interrupted. One of the quarrels, which were perpetually simmering in the bus, had boiled over, and for a moment, there was a stampede. Knives were drawn, pistols were fired, but it all seemed strangely innocuous when it was all over. I I found myself unharmed, though in a different seat and with a new companion. He was an intelligent-looking man with a rather bulbous nose and a bowler hat. I looked out of the windows. We were now so high that all below us had become featureless, but fields, rivers, mountains, I did not see. I got the impression that the gray town still filled the whole field of vision. So this fighting is important and it, and it gets there. So he's talking and he's like, why he's basically talking with this guy on the bus. And he's like, why, why are people fighting so much? And he, and here's what he says. Um, He's like, the problem here is that the people are so quarrelsome. As soon as anyone arrives, he settles in some street. Before he's been there 24 hours, he fights with his neighbor. And before the week is over, he's fought so badly that he decides to move. Very likely, he finds the next street empty because all the people there have quarreled with their neighbors and moved. If so, he settles in. And if by chance the street is full, he goes on further. But even if he stays, it makes no odds. He's sure to have another fight pretty soon, and then he'll move on again. Finally, he'll move right out to the edge of town and build a new house. You see, it's easy here. You've only got to think a house, and there it is. That's how the town keeps growing.
0: I was just gonna say, like, is this why the town is so massive? Because they just keep fighting and fighting and fighting, and just so people keep moving further and further away. Exactly, okay. and
1: that's also why it appeared so empty when you first got ah, there, and so because, abandoned.
0: Yeah, so it's abandoned yet massive and filled with people.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a really kind of a funny thing if you think about like conflict resolution. It's like everybody basically avoid. in this town gets to the point where they just want to avoid all contact
0: yeah i'm gonna keep fighting but i'm gonna avoid contact yeah it's like this great almost like a paradox like it's like the cycle just
1: yeah and um so then they're they're still talking and he's explaining any anything he's like that's right they are they've been moving on and on getting further apart they're so far off by now that they could never even think of coming to the bus stop at all Mm. astronomical distance there's a bit of rising ground near where i live and a chap has a telescope you can see the lights of the uninhabited houses where the old ones lived millions of miles away millions of miles from us and from another every now and then they they move further still that's one of the disappointments i thought you'd meet interesting historical figures here but you don't because they're too far away oh would they get to the bus in time if they ever set out the guy asks well theoretically but it would be a distance of light years
0: mm, so this is uh, this is almost like not a physical place i mean it is
1: right that you're that's but, exactly you're getting the sense now of the like the mystical aspect this of this this is more story. of like a
0: spiritual realm or or like a like it's in your mind or so, something to that effect like it's not tangible yeah, yeah, it's it not on Earth.
1: Yeah. You know, that we know at least. Right. Um, and this is really interesting conversation that kind of comes full circle at the end of the book. Okay. So remember this. I'm remembering. He goes, <laughs> he goes, uh, the guy's like asking, he's like, so you don't see anyone like Julius Caesar or Genghis Khan or any of these people? And he, and he goes, the nearest one of those guys that's kind of in that category is Napoleon. We know, that be- we know that because two chaps made the journey to see him. They started long before I came, of course, but I was there when they came back. About 15,000 years of our time, it took them. We've picked out the house by now. It's just a little pinprick of light and nothing else near it for millions of miles. So Napoleon lives in seclusion, millions of miles away.
0: Okay, so Napoleon's there.
1: But they got there, he asks. That's right. He built himself a huge house all in the Empire style, rows of windows flaming with light, though it only shows like a little pinprick from where I live. Did they see Napoleon? That's right. They did. They went up and looked through one of the windows. Napoleon was there. All right. Well, what was he doing? He was walking up and down, up and down all the time, left and right, left and right. Never stopped for a moment. The two chaps watched him for an entire year and he never rested once. And muttering to himself the whole time, it was Sol's fault, it was Nee's fault, it was Josephine's fault, it was the fault of the Russians, it was the fault of the English.
0: Just blaming everybody else.
1: He's just so so Napoleon is like is like in this hell basically where he's just he 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 can't do anything except sort of live in the past. Yeah, he's Think like about stuck. all his mistakes and what he did wrong or whose fault it was. And he's just reliving his entire life, basically, in his mind.
0: So he's trapped in this in this perpetual state.
1: Yeah, it's like he's so obsessed with how things ended. Because if you don't know, it doesn't end well for Napoleon. No, it does not. Doesn't he get marooned on an island and dies of stomach cancer? I
0: think it's Corsica.
1: Okay, I don't know what that is.
0: It's an island off... It's a French island. It's it's owned by France. It's a, one of those islands off of Italy.
1: Yeah, and then he just basically dies alone on the island.
0: What a pathetic way to end it.
1: Yeah, and then as soon as he dies, you know, he just spends all his time in wherever they are—the afterlife. Just so rehashing. is this hell, or is this? This is hell. Okay. Yeah, the gray town is hell. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah,
0: and so um, isolation, desolation. Yeah, yeah and
1: it's—I like it because it's not like the. Fire and brimstone type of hell. It's like, right. it, it's in some ways, it's not like a, that bad. You could build a palace. <laughs> you just build a palace but by thinking of it.
0: But it's like a, it, it's a psychological hell.
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Which I think is worse.
1: Oh yeah, there's no doubt it sucks. But you could see how it's like it's better than being like stabbed repeatedly with a pitchfork <laughs> by a demon or just something.
0: Caught on fire over. Yeah, and over it's an and interesting.
1: It's an interesting concept of hell that I think is uh, a little bit more accurate as to what we mean as what Christians mean by heaven and hell.
0: Yeah. My thought of hell is just to interject here. My thought of hell is like this giant, like white room with nothing in it. And it goes (laughs) on into infinity and you're just there and you have nothing. It's like nothing. And you're just there. That to me is hell.
1: Yeah. I, I mean so you probably wouldn't like the grey town. I mean it's that, this not sucks. A <laughs> this absolutely
0: sucks. This is horrible.
1: Um so they're still on the bus and now they're starting to descend and they're getting to a new area that they can see and they and they kind of look out the window and it looks a little bit more. Naturey, like grass and trees. They so got some parks in this town. They got something here, and uh, so that's basically what happens. He says, w- right when they were, we were gliding over the top of a mountain, getting ready to land, and we are flying above a level of grassy country through which there ran a wide river. And basically, they get off the bus, and everyone like has trouble sort of adjusting. The place feels physically on them. It feels different to them. Okay. Um, uncomfortable. It feels. Even though it looks objectively better than the last place. It feels they're uneasy.
0: Like there's this this unease.
1: Yeah. And basically um he he's looking at this place and he's and he figures out why they're why they're uncomfortable. And he says I saw the whole phenomenon the other way around. The men were as they had always been, as all the men I had ever known had been perhaps. It was the light, the grass, the trees that were different, made of some different substance, so much more solid than things in our country that men were ghosts by comparison. So he's in this new place. And he realizes the reason he feels uncomfortable is he's basically what we understand as a ghost.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And everybody looks the same. It's not like they're transparent. Right. And like it's not like they're floating around. But he's basically a ghost because if he steps on the grass, he starts to sink through it. Interesting. Because the grass is more solid than him. Oh, wow. And same thing with everything, the water, the trees, everything would kind of pass right through you and it hurts and it's uncomfortable. And so that's what uh, that's the realization he's just made. And someone and everyone kind of comes to the everyone that gets off the bus kind of comes to the same realization at the same time. And one guy goes, I don't like it. I don't like it. Screamed a voice it yeah, that sounds horrible. It makes me scared. One of the ghosts had darted past me back into the bus, and she never came out of it again as far as I know. And then the other seemed uncertain. Hey, mister, said one of the guys addressing the driver. When have we got to be back? Like, can we get back on the bus? Yeah, like, let's, let's get out of here. You don't ever have to come back unless you want to. Oh, that's nice. He replied, stay here as long as you please. And there was an awkward pause. This is simply ridiculous, said a voice in my ear. One of the quieter, more respectable ghosts had slid slided up to me. There must be some mismanagement, he continues. What's the sense of allowing all this riffraff to float about here all day? Look at them. They're not enjoying it. They'd be far happier at home. They don't even know what to do. I don't very know what to do with myself. What does one do here? And basically... These people debate, and some of them kind of go back on the bus, and some of them decide to stay, even though it's uncomfortable. So here's sort of where we're getting into it. You kind of understand, this is purgatory. He's in a new level. Oh, This is what he is talking about is purgatory. So
0: this isn't hell. This is purgatory.
1: No, they're out of hell. The gray town was sort of like hell. Oh, okay. And now they're in... This. They've adv- they've got on the bus. They've decided to leave hell.
0: Okay, good.
1: And they've gone to this new place, gotcha. but not everyone decides to stay. Mm. Some people go back, okay, because they're scared, because they're uncomfortable. Right. You got any thoughts on that dynamic yeah, right there?
0: Like, yeah, it's uh, in the in life. Yeah that that brings about some thoughts in life. I think we are predisposed to stay with what's comfortable. I think it requires a great deal of discipline to to not stay comfortable if that makes sense like I am very comfortable just laying on my couch watching Netflix or YouTube uh, and not exercising or doing some spiritual reading or praying like that it's a, it's a brain dump it's great it would be too easy to keep that going. In fact, I'm quite good at it. Uh, <laughs> I'm like a professional. Uh, but prayer or self-improvement of any kind requires discomfort because you're, you're stepping into a, a world that you don't control, that you're not familiar with, and so it's quite easy to go, yeah, I'm going to go back to the couch. Even though you know that it's not good for you, yeah, like, and so yeah, I think that's that's what this kind of, that's what this thought eludes in me or like evokes in me is that yeah, this is about okay they were uncomfortable even though this town sucks, it's hell, it's more comfortable.
1: Yeah, so to go back, and what's interesting is none of the characters so far know that they're. Some of them don't even know they're in the afterlife they have anyway. no idea
0: what's going on Yes yeah, they just, here we go
1: yeah th- so they don't understand it as heaven and hell, but the fact that they're willing to go back to the gray town and leave this new place, which is yeah. it's it's kind of described almost beautiful. There's waterfalls, there's mountains, there's all this stuff, but it just hurts to be there
0: that's that's scary yeah. like that that's kind of uh the fact like that they don't know that they're there makes it, like, makes me uncomfortable. Like, what if, th- like, that happens to me? Like, what do I, I don't know that yeah. this is, <laughs> right?
1: Like, I had the same thought the first time yeah, I read like, this book. I
0: don't know if, you know, I didn't, I don't know that I'm, I'm not aware that, okay, I'm choosing literally between purgatory and <laughs> hell, and uh, you know what, this, uh this seeping through the ground kind of thing is terrible i'm gonna go back to this town where everyone's just fighting and building palaces all the time (laughs) like that that uh is actually a very unsettling thought yeah i'm glad you had the same reaction that i'm having
1: yeah i did because i remember thinking i remember thinking the first time i read this i was like i was like you know the gray town's really interesting to me like I would kind of just want to freaking walk around and explore yeah. <laughs> I mean, and go see, try and like figure out and see historical figures. Yeah, hang out telescope. with
0: Napoleon <laughs> Bonaparte. Yeah.
1: It, like, <laughs> like if I made that journey, I'd want to go in there and talk to him. Yeah. You're like, what do you just snap out of it?
0: But then but, you would automatically fight him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a really, it is, it is like a, it's sort of an unsettling book in that aspect. And, uh, but we start to get a little bit more clear of a de- development here. Basically, he's is sort of mindlessly walking around this place, like exploring it, talking to all the other people that decided to stay. And they're debating with each other. and they, And they even start arguing. Like, they're scared. They're almost a little panicked. Mm-hmm. And they start arguing about, like, what type of people they are. And like if they're good people or bad people and they start talking about their past sins um, Ooh. and they're and they're not doing it. They're not doing it because they were told to. They're just doing it because they're like, it's almost like if me and you are in a scary situation, like me and you go hiking yeah. and we get lost and we start pointing the finger at each other. Mm. And attacking each other and be like, yeah, well, you like Teletubbies or whatever. Right, it just becomes more irrational. Yes, that's what, that's kind of the scene of what's going on. Gotcha. Okay, so someone comes out that's been here a while longer than these people, Uh. comes out and recognizes the main character. And he says, hey, good to see you again. I expect you've changed your views a bit since the last time we talked. You became rather narrow-minded at the end of your life. But no doubt you have broadened out again, right? The main character goes, well, what do you mean? And he goes, well, it's obvious by now, isn't it? You weren't exactly right. Why, my dear boy, you were coming to believe in a literal heaven and hell? And then the main character goes, but wasn't I right? And he goes, oh, in a spiritual sense, to be sure. I I still believe them in that way. I am still, my dear boy, looking for the kingdom, but nothing superstitious or mythological. Excuse me, the character cuts in. Where do you imagine you've been this whole time? And he's like, ah, I see. You mean that gray town with its continual hope of mourning? We all must live by hope, must we not? It's filled with indefinite progress. In a sense, heaven. If only we had eyes to see it. That's a beautiful idea. <laughs> I didn't mean that at all. Isn't it possible you don't know where you've been? Now that you mention it, I don't think we ever do give it a name. What do you call it? I call it hell. <laughs> yeah. And and so he's the main character is putting it together. He's putting the pieces uh, together. Okay. R- sort of realizes where he's at. And... It, he's been off the bus for a while and now his feet are growing more solid interesting yeah so it's not quite the grass isn't hurting him quite as much okay he's he's sort of taking form to the place and so uh, he's able to walk around a little bit more still got to be careful like he goes to this water he goes to this waterfall And like the spray from the water is like, if you're not careful, it could like cut you in half. Like, so you still got to be careful, but he's sort of Yeah, he's sort of acclimating to the the place. And throughout this, he's going to come across all these people. The guy that he was just talking to is basically been floating around purgatory for who knows how long, just talking about stuff like intellectually. That's sort of his character. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hit me. They're still talking. Um, and he goes, um, they're talking back and forth, and he, and, and then the main character goes, do you really think there are no sins of intellect? No sins of the mind, basically? There are indeed. There is hidebound prejudice and intellectual dishonesty and timidness and stagnation, but honest opinions fearlessly followed, they are not sins. I know we used to walk that way. I did it, too, until the end of my life when I became what you call narrow. It all turns on what are honest opinions. Mine certainly were. They were no honest but heroic. I asserted them fearlessly. When the doctrine of the resurrection seemed to commend itself to the critical faculties which God had given me, I openly rejected it. I preached my famous sermon. I defied the whole chapter. I took every risk. So this guy is is defending the fact that he stopped believing in God. Mm. Kind of understand that, yeah. Like, and he's like proud of it, and and he views it not as a sin, but as like, well, God gave me my brain, right, and, and I used it all. Uh, I used it to its full capacity, and he's very boastful too. Yeah, he says, "I took every risk." And then he goes, What risk? What was all that likely to come of, except of it? What actually came was popularity, sales for your book, invitations, and finally a nice biography written about you. And the guy goes, This is unworthy of you. What are you suggesting? And he goes, I'm not suggesting anything. You see, I know now, let's be frank, our opinions were not honestly come by. We found. We simply found ourselves in contact with a certain current of ideas and plunged into it because it seemed modern and successful.
0: Mm, so, kind of going with, uh, just going with the flow, going with uh, the current.
1: Yeah, he almost describes it as like it—it it, it became a fad to like not believe in God, right. and reject orthodoxy and sort of embrace this different idea of thinking about heaven and hell in a spiritual sense that was I had quotations up you can't see <laughs> but um and just like all this stuff that seems fancy so this uh this guy and him they keep arguing back and forth and they're debating about sincerity and all this stuff and he, and and basically the main character asks him to come with him hey come with me i'm going to find that I'm going to go over these mountains in the distance and I'm going to go over them and see what lies beyond the mountains. And this guy's like, ah, well, it's an interesting idea, but it's, you know, maybe I'll, I'll have to think about it. And he goes, there is no meantime. All that is over. We're not playing now. I've been talking of the past years and mine, only in order that you may turn from it forever. One wrench and the tooth will be out. You can begin as if nothing had ever gone wrong. White as snow. It's all true, you know. He's in. He's in me for you with that power, and I have come a long journey to meet you. You have seen hell. You are in sight of heaven. Will you even now repent and believe?
0: Mm. So this is like his last chance. That's how. This is th- like Judgment Day. Yes. But the ball's in his court. Exactly. Like this whole, like we said earlier, the free will thing. Like, listen, you can choose this. You just have to choose it.
1: Yeah, he's like, yeah, the main character. You know, it's it's clicking for him, and he realizes sort of the gravity of the situation. And he's like, and he's this guy's an old friend from when they were alive. Yeah, and he's trying to bring his friend with him, but his friend's like having a good old time, just walking around acting acting smarter than everyone and he doesn't he doesn't want to leave. And so when he says, will you even now repent and believe? You've seen hell, you're inside of heaven. Right. It's like so this goes to your misgivings earlier like oh boy, I wonder what I would choose like Yeah. now that element of this is gone. Right. Because it's been revealed to this. Right. Now both I have a, now I have a choice. Yeah. And and he goes, oh, I'm not sure I've made I've got the exact point you're talking. And he goes, I'm not trying to make any point. I'm telling you to repent and believe. And he goes, but I already believe. We may not perfectly agree, but you've completely misjudged me. And you don't realize that my religion is very real and very precious to me. And then he goes, well, will you believe in me? His friend's still arguing with him. Will you believe in me? Will you come with me to the mountains? It will hurt at first, but our feet will be hardened. Reality is harsh to the feet of shadows, but won't you come? So that's sort of the. By this time, we're supposed to understand the symbolism of the, you know, the feet hurting because you're walking through. It's yeah. like, it's like. They weren't it's like that process of purification, essentially. Right. Purgation, yeah. To acclimate to this world, you it's going to be uncomfortable. But you get there eventually.
0: Right. Over time, as long as you decide to endure it. Because a lot of people were like, nah, we're getting on the bus, we're going back to hell.
1: This is an interesting little passage on ego. It, so he asked him if he could comes with you, and he's like, I don't know, maybe. And then he asks, "Will uh, you know? I've got God-given talents. Will will I be needed there? Will people be needing my talents? Will I be of use there?" Mm. And he goes, "No. I can promise you none of those. No sphere of usefulness. You are not needed there at all. There's no scope for your talents. Only forgiveness for having perverted them." No- oh, yeah.
0: That wow. Hold up, Hoyt, time out. Now this is a significant point, because in the the in human nature, our desire, especially for men, but for everyone, is to be needed. Yeah, like that is that is ingrained in our humanity. Am I needed, wanted, desired? And he's like,
1: no. <laughs> In this place, no. Very so blunt. So, like the yeah.
0: basic human needs, he's like, yeah, those won't be provided for.
1: All that stuff was in. All that stuff you got to leave behind. Yeah. All your ego, <laughs> you have to leave at the door. All your, you know.
0: Oh man. Yeah. This is this is a this is a tough. This is not making things any easier. In yeah. fact, the more he's talking, the harder this decision is. At least. Exactly. That's that's the point I'm getting at. As you're reading this, it's like, okay, you're inside of heaven. Oh, what? Okay, yeah, hell sucked. Let's just keep going. But now he's like, yeah, but.
1: Yeah, you as you are now, you're going to hate it there. Yeah. Because they don't need you. In
0: Yeah, in this condition right now. <laughs> oh,
1: man. Yeah. And, and, and this guy goes, there's no atmosphere of inquiry. I'm bringing you to the land, not of questions, but of answers, and you will see the face of God. And this guy, this is when you know this guy's just he's too far gone. He goes he goes, "Those are beautiful words in your own interpretation. I don't think I see the face of God in my interpretation." So, this guy even though he's become more direct, he's become more like uh almost a like dude, it's now or never kind of thing. This guy's still not going it's along with it. Right. Him. Yeah. And so he basically decides to move on. Goes but hold on. I got it.
0: This, this, this is really, this is really, I'm struggling with this. And it's, I mean, it's reality. It's probably might be why I'm struggling with it. But like, it, it, you know, the church would say, you know, the, the saints, the church, uh, and even Christ, like, we're called to, to give it all up. Like, we're called to give it all up. Yeah, we're called to, you know, our you know the church says our desires are are of God, but we're called to even give those back to Him, and not like we're like this is this is this I'm shook like this. Yeah, that's why I
1: like I like that line where he said, "There's no use for your talents there. There's only forgiveness for you having perverted them." Like. Cause think Mind about blown. think about how many people undoubtedly on this earth have like a god given talent that yes. no matter how hard we worked for, and it's like you can use those talents for good, and you can use them for bad yeah. too. It,
0: it, wow, nah, that oh man, this line on ego has really got me. Really has me thinking.
1: And you know what it sounds the conversation sounds a little harsh but beneath that it's also a very merciful co- conversation because the this guy what we know about him is at one point he was like teaching on behalf of religion and then sort of in a dramatic way turned away from all of that yeah. and proudly declared himself an atheist or, right. and said the resurrection was fake and and he can be forgiven for all of that all of it all he has to do is make the journey with him
0: and but yeah, but it's easy to say, but he's gotta <laughs> give up his self.
1: Yeah, all the fame and popularity he had He has to
0: drop it all. Yeah. Even even like the little things, like the stuff he liked. All of that.
1: Um another interesting thing, uh when we did the screw tape letters, yeah. One of the things if you remember that the demons were trying to do to get the uh, to bring these people away from God was not to not to defend church doctrine, but to like cloud it with yeah. like things that seemed practical or economical right. or or like all these like I get the impression that C.S. Lewis really hated like the upper class intellectuals that he was around. Yeah, like because ha-
0: like academia and all those. People. Yeah,
1: because he really goes after them in both those yeah. books, but this book and that book. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, it's kind of a nice little crossover there. Like, you can tell he really... I wonder if there's one guy in mind that he really hated or if there was just, like, the whole culture of yeah.
0: it. The, I am really, like, yeah, I am... This is... I am, like, mentally wrestling with that thought right now. The thought of, like, the fact that, like, I'm not needed. But yet that is something I so desperately desire in this life.
1: Yeah, and um another kind of development in this story when they when he decides to leave his friend and kind of go on the journey on his own. Uh, another ghost like appears to him, but mm-hmm. this guy's solid. He's like in like he's he's physical, like, yeah. Yeah, it's it this place that's hurting him is is normal to him and he sort of comes in and out of the story and is nudging the main character along the way. Okay. Like think of him as almost like his his guide. Basically, mm. through this new place. Um, and and by the way, his guide was also there during that conversation, sort of like inserting the arguments and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, so it's not like this guy was just really smart. He's being helped and he's accepting of that help. Does that make Kinda sense?
0: Kind of like uh, what is that, Virgil and in, in uh, Dante's Inferno? Exactly,
1: kind of? exactly, yeah. Um and so we get a nice little Symbolic journey here. He he's in this place. He's he's starting to become more solid, but but he he's having trouble. He he needs to cross this, he needs to go to this place that's upstream a river, and he has to go into the river. Mm. And and so he's like, I'm I'm wondering if I'm hard enough to walk on the water. And so I tried it with one foot and my foot didn't go in. Next moment, I stepped boldly out on the surface. I fell on my face at once and got some nasty bruises. I'd forgotten that though it was to me solid, it was not less rapid in motion. When I picked myself up, I was about 30 yards further downstream than the point of where I had left the bank.
0: Almost like a treadmill, like you fell on a treadmill.
1: Yes, but this didn't prevent me from walking upstream. It only meant that by walking very fast indeed, I have made very little progress.
0: Yeah, the treadmill's just spinning, and he's just like,
1: yeah. It's a really beautiful symbol for like the the journey towards god is like this guy's made the right decision he's doing the right thing he's making progress he's solid enough to stand on the water mm-hmm. but he's still not it's still a tough it's still a struggle for him yeah um thomas merton the guy we read last episode yeah uh he he talks about the seven story mountain a lot in in the purgatory version of Dante's Inferno. And again, it's like you're climbing up this steep mountain and the closer you get the harder it becomes to climb even though you've made all this progress.
0: There's so much truth in that though. Yeah. There's so much truth in that. Like it it it's the hardest right before you get what you're going for.
1: Yeah, cuz like think about anything you excel in. It's like, okay, if I want to if like at one hundred percent, I'm the perfect I don't know basketball player, or whatever, yeah, I'm like immortal basketball player, make every shot, whatever it's like, and I've never picked up a basketball to get that first ten twenty percent to where you can make a majority of your shots easier than to make the make those really tough ones and never miss like that last couple yeah. percent is the hardest to improve upon,
0: kinda like the notion that it's darkest before dawn, oh yeah like it's it yeah it's uh cuz that's the darkest it's going to get
1: and um so for a little bit he keeps on this journey and and the whole time he's having trouble he's making progress but it's slow painful progress um and and basically it, you just get this you read these couple chapters and it's just and, and as he goes through purgatory, he comes across different people um, that are in different places on their journey. And they've all got the same problem as his friend that he was talking to, but in a different thing. Like there's this one scene where he's talking to, he's climbing up the mountain and he comes across a painter. And the painter has just been painting the same landscape forever. <laughs> and he doesn't want to go to heaven because, so this guy gets it. He knows where he's at. But he doesn't want to go to heaven because he uh, is like, there's. there'll be no use for my paintings there. What am I going to paint? Right, Everything's going to be perfectly beautiful there. What the heck would I paint?
0: Right, so he's set on this, this skill. That he has, yes. and he, he doesn't want to give it up.
1: Again, and, it goes back
0: to that thing that I'm like, this is, that's a struggle, man.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, and then he comes across another guy who started the journey was doing kind of the same thing going through this long painful journey and he kind of loses it and he's talking to this guy and he says yeah i I heard that you know there seemed to be some idea that if one stays here well you'd get solider you'd grow acclimated to the place i know about all that said this guy same old lie People have been telling me that sort of thing all my life. They told me in the nursery that if I were good, I'd be happy. And they told me at, at school that Latin would get easier as I went on. After I'd been married a month, some fool was telling me that there's always difficulties at first, but with patience, I'd soon settle down and like it. And all through two wars, what they didn't say about the good time, the good time coming, if only I'd been a brave boy and go on being shot at. Of course, they'll play the game down here as well if anyone's fool enough to listen. To me, this is a very relatable uh, person to character to connect with. He's not as annoying as the painter. It's like this guy's been through a lot in his life and he's having a hard time and he's just reached the point where he can't do it anymore and he doesn't believe in it anymore. You know, like they don't tell us about his journey, but you can imagine, you know, maybe every fall started to hurt a little bit more or mm-hmm. and he wasn't getting acclimated to the pace he wanted and and he just views it as more of the old same.
0: Right. It's just wearing at him. Like it is like
1: It's about overwhelm being overwhelmed by suffering.
0: Right. Yeah, it's so relatable. Like how many times I got to fight this? How many times, you know, do I fall to this particular sin, get up, confess it, do it? Again? Like, that's so relatable,
1: though. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it. the sad part about this character story is he's very close to. Mm-hmm. But now he's turning away.
0: Again, this is that whole thing, like, it gets the hardest the closest you are.
1: Yeah, like think about people that struggle with like a physical addiction. Right. And like that process of of trying to kick yourself of that addiction. And and you can and you could be going through withdrawal. Yep. But you could be so close to like beating it and then relapse and the whole thing starts. The whole thing. Over.
0: Or like um same thing with the the addiction concept. Like, okay, uh you can give up this. uh, That's easy to give up. But then, okay, that doesn't fully work. You have to give up more. And then you find that at some point it gets harder and harder to give these things up or make these adjustments. Like, or in terms of like weight loss, if you're morbidly obese, the first 10 pounds is easy. But the further along you go, it gets harder and harder to maintain and not gain the weight back because at some point you have to maintain that healthy lifestyle or go back to where you were. That's why I like a lot of people on The Biggest Loser or whatever, which was a weight loss competition show, they would gain the weight back because maintaining that lifestyle that they were in was hard, is hard. And so, yeah, at some point it becomes just that it
1: becomes too much. Yeah, that's a better analogy than the basketball one I did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like you you find that, okay, all right, I'll stop eating cheeseburgers five times a week. Then it's like, oh, but now I I still have to eat. All right, so now I'll cook then. All right, I'll I'll get all this easy stuff to prepare, like, you know, ready-made... Stuff that's got a bunch of sodium in it and all this other crap. And it's like, okay, yeah, I made a little progress, but I'm still not eating healthy. Oh, so you're telling me I have to buy like fresh vegetables and cook from scratch, and it's gonna take all this time? Yeah. Oh, that's that's so like, even though you cut something out, if you don't replace it with something better, which is typically harder, you don't you don't go anywhere and that's that's the challenge that's yeah. what sucks cuz you can start like for example if you're addicted to social media or something okay you give it up for lent sweet good job but if you don't fill it with something meaningful you're going to go insane and you're going to find worse things <laughs> yeah to get stuck in so yeah i mean it's it's that whole concept
1: um you know uh Every character he comes across in this book is a little bit different and kind of struggling with different things and dealing with them in different ways. But you know, as he gets further on in his journey, he comes across people that are wiser. They've mm. been there longer. They yeah. can provide him with a little bit more answers. And so he meets one of these characters, and and they start having a discussion about the gray town and about heaven. So again, and this person understands where he's at. Yeah. Um. But he's he's got a different sort of opinion. A, You'll see. Ready? I'm ready. And he says, uh, they're talking about, like, if you can freely leave this place or leave the gray town and, like, can you go back and, like, all this stuff. And he's like, um, you know, most people come here and uh, they're these silly creatures. They don't want to go. They don't want to advance. They Mm -hmm. prefer taking trips back to earth they go and play tricks on the poor daft woman you guys call mediums they go and try and assert their ownership (laughs) of some house that once belonged to them
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so he's talking about like hauntings yes exactly hysterical
1: yeah he's talking about like there are like his interpretation of ghosts is that people that just are like,
0: like yeah, let's go have some fun." Yeah, it's
1: it's kind of similar to the Napoleon thing yeah. where Napoleon was so fixated on his earth, earthly life. And like the range of what he's describing these these ghosts doing is is like like you know, he says literary ghosts will hang out in public libraries to see if anyone's still reading their books. <laughs> and so these people again can't move on from their earthly lives. Pride. And then he asks, "But if they come here, can they really stay?" Uh, yeah, yeah, you've all heard the Emperor Trajan did, but I don't understand. Isn't judgment final? Is there really a way out of hell and into heaven? And then he goes, "It depends on the way you're using those words. If they leave that gray town behind, it won't. It will not have been hell to any that leaves it. It's more like purgatory. But you better not call this place heaven." And then he starts laughing. He's like, you can call it the valley of the shadow of life and death. And he starts, he's basically just like toying with this guy. And, um, but again, that this theme of like, of like, uh, leaving, like you, you are in charge of your destination now, ultimately going back to the free will. Yeah. That's it. That's always the theme he's playing with in this book. Um, Okay. They're debating about what heaven's gonna be like, and 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 the guy goes, uh, "Well, the main character, the guy is talking about like, you know, uh, what what is this spiritual heaven gonna look like?" And the and the main character goes, "But heaven is not a state of mind. Heaven is reality itself. All that is fully real is heavenly. For all that can be shaken will be shaken, and only the unshakable remain." And he says, Milton was right. That's the poet who wrote Paradise Lost and Paradise Reborn. Um, the choice of every lost soul can be best expressed in the words, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. Mm. So he's they're explaining why people are choosing to go back to the gray town or stay in purgatory. Because they're whatever. in control. Yes.
0: That, like they're... It, it's, it's, um, because I, yeah, you, you don't come back from heaven. At least that's, uh, unless I missed something. And so, yeah, you're in control. You're comfortable. It's, yeah, it's just, you know, we have free will and free will is great. And the idea of, 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 Submitting it, the final act of our free will is to submit it, is too daunting, is too great. To give up all the the natural desires is too much. And that's, that's just reality of life. I think we all struggle with that. We all, I mean, we all struggle with the, the I mean, that's why we, you know, that's why the people break the Ten Commandments all the time because we want to be in charge of our world. We want what we want, and sometimes, oftentimes, it plays out in really bad ways. Yeah,
1: um, yeah, it's, it's it's almost like you know what's coming next because he. <laughs> it's a really good segue into this conversation, and he's trying to like understand this idea, and and he and he relates it to a child Mm. and he's like uh listen to this there's always something they prefer to joy that is to reality itself they can think of a spoiled child that is complaining that it's missing its playtime instead of eating their supper and so like so that analogy he's doing right there is if you take a kid from his toys and you tell him he's got to eat because it's like you need to eat to live, the kid might throw a temper tantrum. Correct. And he's saying people holding on to their earthly lives are the same as a kid throwing a temper tantrum. So true. And then he says, if you're an adult, it has a 100 different names for the same thing. Achilles' wrath, revenge, injured merit, pride, self-respect, the tragic greatness of pride. All of that is the same. Yeah,
0: it comes back to that fundamental...
1: yeah so like the the concept of revenge seeking revenge for someone or something that's no different than a child complaining than a child throwing a temper tantrum correct so it really sort of de-glorifies all this stuff that is so much a part of human culture
0: yeah which is why it's it's required to give up
1: yeah yeah it, it, exactly, to leave behind. Exactly. exactly. And by the way, to leave that behind is not an easy thing to do. It's painful, it it's, takes the process. The,
0: like I said, the, I'm shook like the, the when when that thought was introduced in that book. I mean, like I knew that, but like this I was in this moment here recording this, I was confronted with that. Like the thought of not being needed, the thought of giving up my talents and skills and All of that. I mean, that's that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's like all we have as humans. That's all we have: our skills, our talents, our desires. That's that is all we possess at the end of the day. Like you can, you can take away the houses and the cars and the jobs, but no one can like take those things away from you. You have to give them up yourself.
1: Yeah. And and, you know, I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit of like uh, self-admittance here. Like, you know, one of the things that's easy when I'm interacting with professionals and in the workplace or people around people that are successful is like I can really impress them with my background. Yeah. Like. I'm a religion teacher but I was in the army yeah. for 6 years. Like <laughs> yeah. and that always gets a ooh. ooh. Yeah, like
0: a <laughs> I've experienced similar things, yeah. Yeah,
1: and people people who can do that with any profession. Like yeah. I'm a writer, I'm an actor, I'm a you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's like it's like in heaven all that goes away. Yeah. And I'm not going to have that. It's like to cool, rely cool on.
0: story, bro. Yeah.
1: Like- <laughs> nobody cares. Yeah. It's
0: like what?
1: Yeah. So I wonder if, like, if I was going through this story, if I'd have to, like, you know, leave behind all my army stuff and well, yeah, drop my army later. That's exactly, <laughs> that's
0: what it is.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like,
0: I, that's why it's such a almost painful thought. I yeah. mean, all those, all the experiences, all the ups and the downs, like, yep, you know, like, I did some stuff, but I don't regret it. It made me who I am. You have to leave all of that. Yeah. All of that. Like, all of that,
1: because ultimately, ultimately, the only thing that matters is if you're going to choose God or not. Bingo.
0: That at the end. And of by the day, way, that's
1: what ultimately makes you happy. So. Yes.
0: And like, but I can't conceptualize that in my brain. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. Like, I'm limited to that that reality. Like, this is you can probably hear this in my voice. I'm frustrated with this. <laughs> like, this is that. Uh, I I don't even know what to say. Like,
1: and, and that's where that opening line that I read comes in, where he says, there's only two people in the end, those that say to God, thy will be done, and those where God says, thy will be done. And he says, all that are in hell, choose it. Without self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. To those who knock, it is opened.
0: And that's why, I mean, it makes sense. That's why Christ says it is harder for a rich man to enter heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what that passage means. It's it's not that it's impossible, it's that it's harder. It's they're going to have to humble themselves. They're going to have to Yeah. You know, the eye of the needle was like a like a little gateway.
0: Yes. That wasn't
1: very tall, and so for a camel to go through it, they had to like get down on their knees and crawl through it. Yeah. And so a rich man has to basically humble himself to the degree that he's going to look like a camel trying to Desperately squeeze yeah. through this little passageway.
0: It it that's that's why Christ, you know, a lot of people um this is a lot of people take stuff that Christ says about rich people like out of context and saying that, you know, capitalism is bad, blah, blah, blah. No, it's in essence saying capitalism is dangerous.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it.
0: It's not bad in and of itself, it's dangerous. Capitalism is is Use of free will, applied in different ways. Some people apply it very poorly. Some people in great ways. Capitalism allows you to to maintain that free will, but it's dangerous because at the end of the day, you have to give all of that up. You have to say, "Okay, that was none of that matters. Just you, God." Like that's yeah, and that, and I can only imagine being someone like say, Elon Musk putting people in space, providing internet to everybody. Like, this dude is... Him and Bezos, the richest people in the world, could literally do anything with his money. Could buy countries if he wanted to. (laughs) He could! Yeah. At the end of the day, it's you either keep the thought of that. Just the thought. Not even, like, because when you're dead, you can't take that stuff with you. But the thought... Yeah. The spirit of it you can take with you. And that's at the end of the day, he will have to say no, nah,
1: Just you, God. Yeah. And like if I was if I was writing this book for today's time and I would switch out Napoleon with Jeff Bezos, and yeah. instead of pacing in a palace, he'd be pacing in an Amazon Prime warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about his spiritual life or yeah. anything. I'm just using that's that as what an it, example. That's what it would be. Yeah
0: that are like any, you know, president of the United States. You're the most powerful person on arguably on earth. You have the power to destroy countries in a, in a snap of a finger if you wanted to. Or, or the power to create tremendous peace. At the end of the day, you'll have to say yeah, none of that. Yeah. I the, the like I am really shook by this by this this conversation because all those those events in college I went through all those events in the army I went through all those youth ministry stuff that I've been through if I were to die tonight I have to say yeah, none of that you lord that thought disturbs me
1: yeah and you know most of the what's interesting about this book is it, it's going to do a lot of like self-reflection when you read it because Um, you know, let not everyone can relate to that intellectual guy who's worried about if people are going to need his brain. up. Right. But what we skipped was all the different people he comes across who he has conversations with that are in different aspects, different ways of life are struggling with the same thing. Like there's also a mother who's like obsessively trying to control her daughter Mm. that is, uh, in purgatory. So it's about that whole character is about like, parenting and, and yeah. going over your mistakes. You gotta over... give up your
0: kids at some point.
1: Yeah, so it's, and, and there's probably about, I think there's like five or six different kind of character archetypes that he discusses with in in that process that we kind of skipped over, but it's it's all kind of, it, it all comes down to basically the same thing. And um, here here's sort of the climax of this book. I'm he's, ready. he's getting ready to go to heaven, and basically an angel's in front of him. And he says, um, it's kind of a funny conversation. Hey, thanks for all your ho- hospitality, but it's no good, you see. I told this little chap here, and he indicates a little lizard, <laughs> that he'd have to be quiet if he came, which he insisted on doing. Of course, his stuff won't do up here. I realize that. But he won't stop. Shall I, I might just have to go home. So... <laughs> And if you're scratching your head, like, wondering what the heck, yes, it, it comes across in this book very sudden. It's a very bizarre analogy, but it, it, it's important. Basically, he's gone through this whole process, this whole journey, and then an angel points to a lizard that's sitting on his shoulder, and he's like, oh, yeah, this guy's been with me the whole time, and I know he's not welcome in heaven, so I guess I'll just go home now. And so he's made it all this way, and because of this little lizard on his shoulder he's gonna have to go back to the town.
0: unbelievable
1: and the angel <laughs> the angel says do you want me to make him quiet of course I would then that would solve the problem uh. well then I'll kill him oh and the angel steps forward oh uh look out you're 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 burning me keep away said mm. said the guy retreating yeah and he says don't you want him killed you didn't say anything about killing him at first. I, I hardly meant to bother you with anything so drastic as that. It's the only way," said the angel, whose burning hands were now very close to the lizard. "Shall I kill it? Well, I, I'm, you know, uh, I'll have to consider it. That's a new. It's a new idea, isn't it? I mean, for the moment, I was only thinking about silencing it because we're all the way up here. Uh, uh, dang, this is so damn embarrassing. May I kill it? Well, there'll be time to discuss that later. There is no time. (laughs) time. May I kill it? Please, I I I never meant to be such a nuisance. Please don't bother. Look, it's gone to sleep on its own accord. I'm sure he'll be all right now. Thanks so much. May I kill it? And they go back and forth and back and forth about all this. And then it kind of comes to a point here. Oh, I know you think I'm a coward, but isn't that really, isn't it? I say, let me run back to to the night bus and and get an opinion from my doctor. I'll come again the first moment I can. The angel says, this moment contains all moments. Mm. Why are you torturing me? Why are you jeering at me? How can I let you tear me to pieces? If you want to help, why didn't you kill the damn thing without asking me before I knew? It would all be over by now if you had. I can't kill it against your will. Mm. It's impossible. Yeah. Have I your permission? The angel's hands were closed on the lizard, but not quite, and the lizard began chattering to the ghost so loud that I, could, I couldn't I could even hear what it's saying. Be careful, he said. He can do what he wants. He can kill me. And so the angel's stepping forward, and he's getting ready to kill this lizard. But now it's hurting the guy. Now the the angel's like this fiery. Right. and And it's getting close, so it's burning his skin. Yeah. And he's like, have I permission, your permission to kill it? And then the guy says, I know it'll kill me. It won't kill you. But what if it did? You're right. It's better to be dead than to live with this creature. Then may I? Damn, blast you. Go on. Can't you get it over with? Do what you like. And then he starts whimpering, God help me. Mm. The next moment, the ghost gave a scream of agony such as I'd never heard on earth. The burning one closed his hand on the reptile, twisted it well a bit and writhed, and then flung it, broken back on the turf. That's done, gasped the ghost, reeling backwards. And basically what happens is... uh, The lizard transforms. He doesn't actually die. Transforms into like this big, majestic unicorn. Oh, wow. Yeah. Plot twist. It's a very bizarre analogy. What,
0: uh, yeah, what does your thoughts on what the lizard symbolizes?
1: So there is. it's a lot of debate but the the consensus is on what he meant by that is um it's one of those seven deadly sins like pride or lust mm. is typically what that's associated with. Yep. And and that goes back to the title The Great Divorce. This guy being separated from that lizard was incredibly painful and it scared him and he thought it would kill him.
0: Mm. And so he had
1: to he had to split, you know what I mean? He had to split from that part of him, and so this this lizard that's symbolizing for whatever's holding him back, whatever like is keeping him from being pure. That last moment, uh, it doesn't get destroyed, but it gets transformed into something beautiful. So instead of an ugly little creepy lizard chattering, it turns into like this big beautiful horse that's heavenly. Mm. So what? So what do you think? I mean, like it's it like I'm trying to think of what would hold you back, but is not just going to get completely destroyed, but transformed into something better. Well, that could
0: be anything. That could be any addiction, any ha- sinful habit, any disordered desire. The lizard could symbolize literally anything. A- anything that keeps you from heaven. Anything that keeps you from ultimately giving yourself to
1: God. And it's something that's a part of you. Yeah. Yeah. And you, meaning it like
0: comes from within. And, but like we've been talking about, you have to give it up. You have to let it go. It, it,
1: yeah. And one of the most interesting things about that is the fact that this moment happens Right before they're entering heaven. Right. it's the last step. After we basically, the majority of this book is describing how painful this process is. Yes. And then you get there, and notice how quick he was to be like, well, I guess I'll have to go home now, because uh, the lizard won't.
0: Sucks <laughs> to suck, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, but that's, but how relatable is that? Yeah. How relatable is that?
1: Yeah, I mean, think about any relationship that... Yep crumbles because there's just one little thing that some person won't let go or or can't get past. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean there's a million ways to dissect that analogy.
0: Like you are even in your own like self-development. If there if you would just do one just get rid of one thing that'll like make your life better, but you won't do it. Yeah. Like, you know, that could be anything from a bad habit to holding on to the death of a loved one. You know, like it could be anything and I think that's what makes it so relatable it, it, and also so like I've been shook this entire episode because like I'm thinking okay what keeps me from God? Well yeah there's a lot of things like, but I would have to drop every single one of them yeah. to gain entry into heaven and this is why uh, people you know question like you know why do religious give you know take this vow of chastity? Of of uh, poverty, like because they're literally living on Earth. What the ticket to heaven is? Yeah, you have to drop all of it. They're they're that heavenly example. Like this is the life. Like this is heaven. Like you're dropping everything. You're giving up relations with the you know with you're giving up sexual relations. You're giving up money. You're giving up success. You're giving up name it. You're giving it up for something that we can't even conceptualize. Yeah. And so that's why the wit- their witnesses are so powerful. And and also the it's a heavy, it's a heavy burden. Right. To to carry the I you know, to give up your humanness, basically, to live this saintly life. And, for for it to be an example,
1: you know one of the interesting pieces to that too is is this lizard was on this guy's shoulder the entire book, and this is the first time he even acknowledges it. But as soon as he acknowledges it, he he's like he knows it's been there the whole time. Yep. And, and so he didn't want to address it. He yeah. didn't want to. And so in the gray town, he didn't even. He probably didn't even know it was there. Yeah. Like in it, and he had to go through all that. Purification to until he saw the last thing Mm -hmm. preventing him.
0: Yeah, in adversity is when you discover your true self. Yeah. And I think that's another part another that's that's why this is such a rich thing to dissect. Until you suffer, until you're faced with tough decisions, you don't know who you are. Yeah. I mean, this is very easy for people that have been through combat to understand. You know, you go through all the training, all that, but until the first shots fired. You don't know what you're made of.
1: You always wonder how you're going to react. Exactly,
0: Uh, this is the same thing. Like until you, you journey through this, until until you. This is this kind of an answer. One answer to the great mystery of why does God allow suffering to happen to people? It because it can be used to learn about self in order to improve self and and live for others. That's that's an answer, because if we never had to un- endure that, we would never discover ourselves. And what are the consequences? What are the consequences of not knowing about this lizard on my shoulder?
1: Right. The yeah.
0: consequences. I get to that moment at the very end, and now I can't get
1: rid of the lizard. And I love, I love the how the language goes gets real powerful there. He's like this, you know. Think of all the times they're talking about these decisions where you could go one way or the other it's it's like this moment contains all moments there is no more time yeah. there's no time this to think it. this over
0: and that's it yeah. at the end of our that's it
1: you know um, cs lewis has it's not in this book but he's it's a quote by him but he he describes uh purgatory like this um you know if you let's say you got invited to like a really fancy party mm-hmm. like a you know a really fancy banquet that you're love all the people there and you can't wait to go and you're honored to be there and and you probably shouldn't even be on the guest list but you got invited anyways because they were super nice or whatever and and on the way to your to your party you you like you know a bus like goes over a puddle and it splashes you and you and, and you fall in the mud and and you go to the party and you're like all destroyed basically yeah and it's like the the host is still gonna say come on in but you're gonna be like, let me clean up first. Yes, it's not that. It's not that the host goes, "You're not welcome in this party," like that. But the guy, you know it yourself, yeah. and you, you clean, you clean yeah. it up, clean it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a really beautiful. I think that's a really beautiful analogy because it sort of works both ways. You acknowledge the reason why there's purification, right? But it's not out of like spite or. Yeah. Anything malicious. It's you know what I mean?
0: I also look at it this way. You know, God is is pure. God is complete and pure and unadulterated. If I mix an impure substance with a pure substance, the pure substance is no longer pure. Yeah. And so since God cannot be impure, we must be purified that's that's purgatory. yeah, I like I like that. And so it's not this malicious thing. it's just logic. Yeah. Since God cannot be impure and if I mix something that's impure with something that is pure, nothing is pure anymore. you have to go through this purgation, this purification so that you can be in full unity with God because that way God is not uh, sullied, right? And so that's, it's just, uh, to me, it's a logical thing.
1: Yeah. Um, the way this book ends, he does eventually get to heaven, you nice. know, right shortly after that. And he has an angel showing him around heaven. And I think this, this passage brings the whole book full circle. Uh, there's a huge parade in heaven. Mm. And there's like thousands of angels playing trumpets and blasting music and like singing praise of this woman that's on this huge throne that the angels are carrying and he asks his guide he's like who is that that it's got to be mary right the mother mary and she goes and that the angel goes no that's uh sarah smith which is very boring name." right and he's like well who was she and he the angel goes she was nobody nobody cared about her she did nothing significant she was nobody on earth but on earth she loved everybody she came across and so this is her reward and think of that in contrast to Napoleon yeah the total opposite yep and what's his what's his state in this book and what's Sarah Smith's state in this book and that's that's the whole point of it
0: and that's that speaks to you know like we've talked about you got to give up everything okay well then why did we have it in the first place precisely to use it for the sake of the other yeah that's why yeah we're we're supposed to cuz they're not ours our life in the our life itself is not ours it was given to us in a biological sense, by the actions of our parents, in a spiritual sense, by the actions of God. It's not ours. There's nothing we did to earn our life. (laughs) Nothing. It is pure gift. Pure gift. And so because of that, we, in essence, don't own anything. Our gifts, our talents, none of that is for us because us is not even ours. Yeah. And so that's why we are called to live to get entry into heaven, we're called to use our gifts for others because they're not ours. And so when we live that way, when we live our lives for the other, that is how we gain entry to heaven because then I'm not attached to these these things, these thoughts, the, the ego, because've I've given it away, right. And so I'm not attached to anything. That's, that is the entry into heaven, is to be free of disordered attachment, to have no attachment other than to God. That's the secret. Ta-da! That's the secret. That's why we have seasons like Lent where we're practicing saying no to ourselves because the point is to go on to say no to ourselves in more difficult situations. If I can say no to social media for 40 days, the thought is then I can say no to bigger things, Or to say yes to better things for other people because I've denied myself. That, I think, is the point of of this book.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Because it sounds painful just to give up stuff for the sake of giving up stuff. It's like going through a divorce. Bingo. (laughs) Man! (laughs) It took an hour and 19 minutes, but we finally got there. But, like, I mean, it's... But that's life is like that. Sometimes yeah. you go through all this stuff, and you're like, I don't know what the point of this is. And then all of a sudden, boom! Oh yeah, wow!
1: Yeah. So, you know, that's fantastic. That was the Great Divorce. Uh, we,
0: Thanks for bearing with us, because that took, in all honesty, I mean, it was a, this was a slow burner.
1: Yeah, it took a while to get. To, I mean, it was like thirty minutes idea. to set the scene, and it's so weird. So
0: we understand if you skipped around, but like it, it. I mean, this. But life is like that. Yeah. You. You. You know. You mess around, and then all of a sudden, bam! Like what? Oh yeah! Like, (laughs) yeah. But that was. I mean, I I mean, I reacted. To I mean that that really made me think. Yeah. Really made me think of like what's my lizard?
1: Right. That's what I. That's what I love about this book. It is one. It's just the. The creativity in, in expressing human nature and human sin is really it, like the it's really like think about the way the gray city works. The fact that it's just this endless expanse because people fight with each other and, yeah. and you can just build a house instantly. Right, but by just like, thinking about it. Yeah, it's like um, it, it's really provo- thought provoking in that way. And then it this book makes you do a lot of. Self realization and and self reflection. Yeah. Um. At least that's what it was designed for. So yeah. I think in the description
0: for this episode, I'm gonna have to tell people it's a slow burner. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. Put a put yeah. a little thing like, in hey, there. <laughs> it's good. It's a it's a slow build. It'll get there. I promise. Yeah. I mean, this is a fantastic. C.S. Lewis is. I mean, he, he's uh, he's phenomenal. He's uh, his works are incredible. And like the screw tape letters, which is another thing that makes you think, this is another one of those like, oh yeah, what yeah. do I have to give up? I have to make that decision. What's my lizard? Do I know it's there? Like that, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really. If you're really open, I mean, it's going to make you think about your salvation. Yeah. Which is a scary thought.
1: Hey, get in line for the bus, you know. Get in line for the bus. It's going to be boring. <laughs> 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 yeah excellent well uh
0: yeah thanks for joining us this was uh the great divorce c.s lewis
1: i'm sure we'll be reading c.s lewis again in the future for sure because um, he's got a lot of other great books that we love so
0: you mentioned uh seven story mountain by uh, thomas merton probably dig into that at some point yeah yeah i mean so much good stuff
1: out there right so well hopefully you stuck with that one um but that's it. That's the great yeah. divorce by Hab- C. S. Lewis.
0: Happy Easter. Have a great have a great day. Peace.